Welcome back to the part, the second part of my chat with you about the power of the extraordinary goal. As I was telling you in the last part, I decided that I wanted to be a leadership trainer. Now, deciding to be something and becoming that are sometimes um, very far apart. I'm saying sometimes because sometimes they're not, they're never the same, but obviously they're not never the same, but sometimes it's easier. But in my case, and I realize that this is in my life story, uh, I always tend to pick the uh, the most difficult goal that is there in my on my horizon. And um, my theory, of course, being that the satisfaction from the goal is directly proportional to its difficulty. Um, the example I usually give is that somebody who climbs Mount Everest, uh, if you ask him, well, tell me, what did you do? He said, I climbed Mount Everest. If you ask him, well, Everest is what? It's, it's the earth, right? Yeah, that's right. So how long, how high is it? Uh, it's roughly about eight kilometers. Uh, so if you say to the person, well, you know what? You're telling me that you walked eight kilometers on the earth. So what's so great about that? What's so great about that? Walking eight kilometers is a big deal. I mean, I can get out of this place and I can walk 10 kilometers. And then I can come to you and say, you know, you climbed Mount Everest to the top, uh, but I actually walked uh, two kilometers more than that. So I have not only done as much as you have done, I have done a lot more because I've done two kilometers more uh, what percentage of that, uh, of 8 kilometers, uh, is 2 kilometers? So I've done 25% more. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I should be given a, a bigger medal than you have. Now, it doesn't make sense. You know why it doesn't make sense? Because even though logically this whole statement is correct, I mean, the, the person climbing Mount Everest is also walking on the earth, is walking on the ground, and um, if I'm walking 10 kilometers uh, down the road, it is not the distance, it is the angle of the earth. Um, walking eight kilometers on level land is one thing. Uh, walking eight kilometers on land, which is at, a, uh, at an angle of maybe uh, 45 degrees, or maybe in some cases 30 degrees or more uh, or less, is a different ballgame. It's a different kettle of fish. So it is the difficulty of the goal which adds value to that goal. Take two situations. You want to join, uh, you want to enter engineering, you want to do engineering. So you are sitting for uh, examinations to get into engineering colleges. One is an examination in your local, I mean, in Hyderabad, uh, there was a time, I don't know if that is still true or not, but there was a time when there were more than 30 engineering colleges all around Hyderabad. Uh, the kind of education they provided was, you know, better for me to remain silent about that. But, say, but they also had entrance tests. So, supposing you were sitting for one of those entrance tests, and you had somebody who was sitting for um, entrance into the IITs, right? And he's, uh, this person gets into, say, IIT Kharagpur or IIT, IIT Madras. Um, and then you got another guy who's sitting for a, the entrance test to get into MIT. Um, now, they're all tests, but who gets a greater sense of satisfaction? 
it is a person who cracked the toughest test. <clears throat> the person who cracked the toughest test. Uh, this is the person who gets the maximum satisfaction, whichever it is, right? Uh, we can we can argue about whether the IITs have a tougher test or the or MIT has or something. Uh, irrespective of that, but the point I'm making remains valid, which is, who has the greatest satisfaction? The one who cracked or who succeeded in the toughest of the tests. Now, um, therefore, uh, when I set out for this and I said I want to become a leadership trainer, I unwittingly had set for myself a goal uh, that was practically, mean, by the definition of it, it was almost impossible because, first of all, um, there is no course, there is no degree, there is no formal uh, college or university that you can go to to become a leadership trainer and that's, that still remains the same till today. Um, leadership training is really living the experience and then fitting that experience, meaning conceptually understanding that experience in the context of behavioral science theories. That is what leadership training is about, which is that you have to live that experience uh, before you fit it in. A lot of people come and tell me, you know, I want to be my successor. I want to be your successor. I say, yeah, great, lovely. Come back after 30 years, right? And then you will have to come and talk to my grave because I, 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 I don't think I'm going to be here 30 years from now. At least I don't plan to, uh, but Allah knows best. But my point is that uh, if you don't have the life experience, one person came to me, one young guy, I, I love playing these uh, mind games with these young people. One young guy came to me and he said, I want to become a, I want to become a consultant, a leadership consultant, uh, like you. I said, oh, like me? Very nice, good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. At least somebody likes to, wants to be like me. Uh, what shall I do? So I told him, um, find somebody who will pay you for your advice. Simple as that. That is the simplest definition. Who is a consultant? I'm talking about it in, the, in, in, in a uh, formal business context. Who is a consultant? Who is a life coach? Uh, who, is a, who is an advisor? Somebody who someone else is willing to pay for to listen to them. So I said, you go find somebody who is willing to pay you. He said, well, you know, who will pay me? I mean, I'm like... Uh, uh, 20 something or I'm just about 30 years old and I have uh, like two years of experience. I said, exactly, that, that's the point I'm making. Now, I didn't want to say that to you, but I'm just asking you. So if there is somebody who is going to pay you for your advice, then you are a consultant. But my guess is that most people are going to ask you a very simple question, which sounds like a rude question, which everybody asks everybody else, including me. Sometimes they ask you that question, sometimes it's a tacit question in their mind, it's there and you better answer it if you want to get a client. And that is, how can you help me? How can you help me? Why must I pay you? What do I get if I pay you? What benefit do I get? So here I was in uh, 1983, I had set myself this goal uh, that I want to become a leadership trainer. Um, I wrote it out, I, I, I wrote the, the, whole, the thing out in a big sheet of paper and I stuck it in my wall. Uh, and I wrote on that, I want to be a globally recognized 
leadership trainer. I want to be a globally recognized leadership trainer. So let me propose that to you as the first step uh, you should take. And let me assure you that is probably going to be the easiest one that you can take. Because how much effort does it take to write a goal on a sheet of paper? Having said that, you might discover that it's not so easy. It is not so easy because it's not a matter of just writing something down. It's a matter of conceptualizing and finding it in your heart something that truly excites you, something that sets you on fire, something that is so inspiring for you that you are not doing it for the money. I mean, somebody may be paying you and somebody had better pay you because, you know, tomatoes are not free. Uh, so if you want to go to the market and buy tomatoes and eggs and somebody you have to have money and somebody got to pay their money But that's not the reason you are doing that and this is not a manner of speaking. This is the reality You are not doing it because somebody paid you you would pay to do it Today and for not just today, but for I think at least the last uh, 20 years we are not 2020 so we are looking at 2000 at least the last 20 years um, about 80% of my work, I do free, pro bono. Uh, I work with teachers, I work with the students, I work with uh, all kinds of organizations. And I work, I do that work completely free of cost. I don't charge them anything at all. I do that because I love, do that. I love doing that. And I do that because I know that they need the kind of work that I do. They need that more than anybody else. And they don't have the money to pay for it. So I tell them, keep your money, pay some, pay somebody else, you know, what they need. I don't need the money, just, just let me do the work because you need this training. And Alhamdulillah, I'm so happy that I'm able to do that because I have now these absolutely beautiful friends all over the world rooting for me, uh, making dua for me. And I, I hope they will continue to do that uh, when I'm gone. But uh, the whole point was that I wrote this goal. Now I said, now how do I reach there? Now I had, on the, on the other hand, so here was the goal. So now what do you do? You write a, uh, it, you make a chart for yourself and say, uh, what are the hurdles? What are the constraints that I need to overcome? Now with me, practically everything was a constraint. Number one, I didn't have an MBA degree. Um, not that it is absolutely a requirement for to be a leadership trainer, because frankly it is not, but it looks good on your CV if you have a good MBA from a good uh, name institution. So I didn't have that. In 1983, I didn't have that. Um, I did not have, um, had very little actual work experience in India, because I had just joined the tea industry. So I was like two years into the, into the tea industry. I had five years of experience in Guyana. But with, in Guyana, the, the situation was, the, 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 the problem was the same because, I mean, nobody knew, uh, nobody knows Guyana, nobody knows uh, bauxite mining, nobody knows Kokwani, uh, nobody knows what I uh, could do, couldn't do. Uh, so that experience was uh, like nice story, but, uh, you know, we really don't know what you do. So that experience was there five years, but then it was about seven years and that, uh, this was the problem with it. So I didn't have that. Um, then what was even more problematic was that, as I mentioned to you earlier, there was no college, there was no university, there was no course that I could actually do uh, to teach me leadership training, which also meant 
that no matter what I did, I wasn't going to get a certificate at the end of that saying leadership trainer or master trainer or whatever, right? Um, so, all the effort and no piece of paper to show at the end of that. Number four was physical location. I was sitting in this absolutely piece of heaven which was on top of the, on top of the forest uh, in the animales. But guess what? All the potential places where I could learn something formally uh, about leadership training were all downhill. They were all somewhere in some city. Now, when I say le learn about, I was learning to become a trainer. So, <clears throat> I realized that the only way to learn to become a trainer is to watch other trainers at work. So, I spoke to a, <clears throat> to, to a number of uh, friends of mine uh, who were consultants and who were uh, doing one form of leadership training or the other. Remember, in, in, in the 80s, early 80s, this was not a big thing in India. It was just about starting and uh, it was something which was an uphill struggle even to convince somebody. And that was not only me, whoever, even the people in the, in, in the uh, field who were established. Uh, even they had difficulty convincing people that uh, they're convincing employers that their employees needed to be trained. I remember a conversation I had with one uh, Lala. Uh, he said to me, I, I said, training. He said, okay, oh, I said, what is, he says, what is that? So I said, I will, I will train your people to, uh, you know, to work better and so on. Uh, he said, what is that? He said, they know that. Uh, he said, that's why I've, we've kept them. Why do they need training? They know that. Um, I made the mistake of using the word leadership. Then I said, Kom leadership. Achha, leader bana gaya. You make them leaders? No, 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 no. I don't want that. Very strange. Why? You know, you don't want leader. He's there. He's not going to leader. Leader, leader. We want to say that the person who says we will do it. Leader, what is leader? Leader is not leader. That will be for us. You will train us. That will be difficult for us. Now, for them, the word leader meant union leader. So this man is telling me, the, the owner of the business, he's telling me, I do not want my people to become leaders because they will become a problem for me. I want people simply to do. You know, I don't know if I mean, people watching this, you may not, uh, you may not have my, uh, you may not have been alive when <laughs> in the time I was talking about in the 80s. But people used to talk about head and hands. They used to say, how many hands are working for you? Meaning, how many people are, they, they wouldn't say the word people, they say, how many hands are working for you? Because that was the concept. Uh, somebody working for you meant someone who followed orders. That's it. They didn't use their head. We don't, I don't want your head, I just want your hands. I just want your hands, do what I tell you to do. And that's it. So this was the atmosphere. Now in that atmosphere, I had to go and, uh, you know, I, so I asked some friends of mine, can I please come and sit in your class? You know, when you are doing a leadership training course, can I just come and sit in your class? Now, remember, they're not paying me. They would never pay me because uh, they were already doing me a favor by allowing me to come and come into their class. Uh, how I got to their class was my affair. Uh, they weren't paying me for my fare or anything like that. Where I stayed was my affair. I could sleep on the platform, I could sleep on the, on the <coughs> sidewalk, on the footpath, they didn't care. As far as they were concerned, they were doing me a favor <coughs> by allowing me into their class, and that's it, period, end of favor. <coughs> but they were very gracious and kind, and I'm most grateful to them that they even allowed me into their classes. Uh, thanks to which I could learn uh, how to be a trainer. And there are a lot of them, and I'm most grateful to them. I'm not listing the names here because they know that, I know that. And some of them don't want to be named. 
So I'm not doing that, but you know, they know how grateful I am to them for allowing me the opportunity to learn from them. Um, having done that, so now the, it meant that I was in a full-time job in a place where even to get to another place meant at least minimum two days of travel. Because just to get down from the Anamalis to Coimbatore, catch a train and get to anywhere was two, hours, was two days. Um, so any time that I had, I had to subtract these two days and then two days returning. So four days was wasted time. Uh, if I took a week off, then I really got only three days worth of work time out of that whole week. The rest of the four days I was sitting on a, on a train. Uh, my salary, as I told you, was 850 rupees. Uh, next year, I got an increment, an out-of-turn increment because I was so good at my job, which took my salary to 1,100 rupees. So, it was 150 rupees uh, increment. Um, yes, 850 rupees and 1,100 rupees in the, in the early 80s was worth more than it is worth now, but even then, it wasn't the... I was not a millionaire. Uh, I had very, very little money. So, all the money I, ha I had, I spent it only in buying books, and in paying for my travel, <clears throat> I used to travel train third class, which in those days meant a wooden plank. That's it. No bedding, no nothing. I would travel in that. I would travel by regular uh, Tamil Nadu transport bus down to Coimbatore, get into a train, third class compartment, sleep, uh, eat whatever I could get by on, a, on the platform. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm counting pennies. Uh, and then I would go and if I, whichever city I went to, uh, if there were some friends there who would allow me to sleep on their couch, I would do that. Uh, or for the most part, I would stay in the cheapest possible hotel. Believe me, I have stayed in hotels you wouldn't kennel your dog in. Absolutely miserable. Um, but I had no choice. My choice was to stop doing this. And that to me was not a choice. So I did all of this. No savings, hardship, only to go and sit in the class of a trainer, watch them do their, their thing. Um, not everyone was a great trainer. I watched some very lousy trainers and learned enormously from them of how not, how not to be lousy. I watched some very great trainers, brilliant trainers. One of them is here in America called John Barb. I mean, John is an absolutely fabulous trainer. I love him like a brother, and I learned a lot from John, you know, in, including his his directness, his uh, ability to extract learning from everything, uh, his, uh, his his expression, uh, his his enthusiasm, the, his support. Amazing, amazing man, John Barb. Um, he, he, look up his site. It's, I think it's called johnbarb.com or something. Um, so wonderful people, I which I from whom I learned. Now the um, the point is that uh, I did that. And I did that, I used to get 35 days of annual leave. I spent every single one of those 35 days doing this. I would take that leave in bits and pieces and I would do, I would spend the whole of that leave doing this. And guess, how, guess for how long? 13 years. I did that from 1983 to 1994 when I set up my own company, Yavarbig & Associates, in Bangalore. Now remember, 
I'm saying now 12 years, 13 years, by hindsight, I'm counting backwards. But when I was in year one, when I was in year two, when I was in year five, when I was in year seven, when I was in year ten, I did not know that I had three more years to go. I did not know that it would take me 13 years. And 13 is no magic number, it just happened in my case. For 13 years, I did not take one single day's leave, one single day's vacation. All my weekends, and weekend there, we used to work a full six days, so weekend was the Sunday. All my spare time would go in reading and writing, because I had to write a lot of dreams and dreams and dreams. In those days, no, no laptops and no computers and no nothing. You wrote by hand in a notebook. Practicing before uh, a mirror or practicing with uh, poor unsuspecting souls how to teach, how to train. Writing down, documenting my uh, incidents of my life and collecting them, connecting the dots to management and leadership theories and then attending these programs taught by these people, these kind people who are my mentors. And in the evening, we would sit and we would rehash what happened in the day. I would share with them my feedback or my, not so much feedback, but my impressions. And they would tell me why they did what they did. They would explain things and so on and so forth. Some of them were kind enough to allow me to sit, in, sit with them in client meetings uh, when they were, uh, you know, doing various kinds of uh, discussions with the client. All of this and not, I think in all that 13 years, uh, the only time I can recall where I actually got a salary, uh, I mean a fee, was when I did, uh, in 1991, I, I was part of the ISAP's training group where we did a behavioral science um, uh, a lab for the National Police Academy in Hyderabad, NPA. That was the only time NPA paid me 500 rupees for the whole, that whole period of, of uh, you know, one week uh, that we were there with the IPS uh, probationers. In 13 years, I got paid 500 rupees. I, do, I don't recall getting any other fee for doing all this work. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, a couple of hundred rupees here and there, but that's it. The point I want to make to you is the power of the extraordinary goal. You set an extraordinary goal because I'm sure many of you are thinking that what kept you going? I mean, how come you did this? You had no end in sight. You're doing something. You're getting nothing for it. Uh, it's not even money. You're not even getting money for it. You're still, you know, in whatever situation you are in. What just kept you going? Why did you continue to do that? And the answer is passion. The answer is passion. The power of the extraordinary goal is it inspires extraordinary effort. Set a great goal, be passionate behind it and continue to work. And the only way you will do that is if you have passion. And the only way, I, the reason I'm saying that is because if you don't have passion, you will not enjoy what you're doing. And if you cannot enjoy what you're doing, it will not sustain. And if it does not sustain, you will not succeed. Obviously, this is still the beginning of the story. More to come. Come back again next week and we'll talk more about this. All the best.